Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Introducing Tracy Lit. She's bringing the lit factor. She is telling you how to get motivated each and every day and how to create a legacy. It's not just about dollars and cents. Tracy, welcome. You said something to me last time about how did this become my life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been having a couple days of that. How can I help? <laughs> oh my god. We goodness. can turn this into a live coaching session. Yeah, I was thinking that might be fun. So I feel like I have the bad habit of work becoming my life. And I do it to myself, you know? It's like I bite off more than I can chew. And then I'm like, I need to hire assistants. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, what stops you from hiring help? Yeah, I'm doing that. I've outsourced my editing. I'm hiring two assistants. But that transition is rough. You're like, I've got all this work and I need to get people up to speed and I've got deadlines and I need you to just listen to what I need to get done right now. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yep. And it requires a different version of you. I think that's the part that's really interesting. And, you know, to look at it through a lens of this is a representation of your own growth and your own up-leveling so that you can have some excitement towards it and some grace with yourself as you are offloading and delegating and accessing a part of you that is unfamiliar. Yes, it's super unfamiliar. And it's crazy because I've worked for people that aren't good at delegating and aren't good managers. And now I'm kind of like experiencing that. So yes, the grace piece is, is big. Yeah, it's big. And, and sadly, it's something that 95% of people are deficient in. Oh, where do you find grace? You choose it and you stop punishing yourself and echoing the voices of self-criticism that raised you. That's good. It's really a choice, but it's, it's, it's a function of reprogramming yourself because it's something that is so unfamiliar, especially for women. It's funny because I talked to my sister today who's one, I'm actually hiring both of my sisters part-time. Yes, I love it. Isn't that interesting? And they're both <laughs> in Israel, but they've been tag teaming another project for nine years together. And it's also in the healthcare industry. So I was like, oh, awesome. This client's in the healthcare industry and you guys already work well together. So that seems like a fit. <laughs> yeah, love it. One of my sisters said to me that she needed a life coach to teach her how to adult because she's got five boys under, I think, 11 or 12. You know, she's working and juggling a lot. And she didn't feel like she was ever taught how to be an adult. And I... <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm 41 and don't feel like I know how to adult either. Yeah. Well, in, in, in actual fact, we're all like seven and eight years old, <laughs> just running around in adult bodies, trying to figure it out. I mean, it's really is the truth until you've been hanging out in a personal growth world long enough that you've healed enough of your wounds and reprogrammed yourself and learned how to think differently and understand what it means to cultivate a relationship with yourself. We are truly mini versions where all our little inner child's just running around acting like you know what we're doing most of us raising other little children oh that's scary too <laughs> oh yeah 
Oh my God. Yeah. No, my dad came and visited this weekend to, well, it was my daughter's birthday. So it was really sweet that he could be there for that, but he also wanted to come and help. And, um, I'm like, dad, the laundry is still there. The dishes are still there. The toys are still on the floor. Like <laughs> all of the treats that I bought for my kids, you just ate. I do love that you're helping hang out with them, but like, I need more help. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Grandpa run in and, and have fun help is awesome. And you need more doing help. Yeah. Oh my goodness. God love him. He is almost 65 and he is still a kid too. Like it was 4 PM. And I was like, dad, have you eaten anything? He's like, yeah, you left some chocolate covered raisins on the table, finish those off and no more cashews. And I was like, oh my God, would you like me to make you a sandwich? Right. No. Who doesn't love raisinettes for dinner or lunch? Oh my goodness. Yes. Let's learn about the uh, choice method. I liked that you said your mind has laws. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So the choice method is separate from the laws of our mind, uh, but it is really important to understand, you know, there are laws of physics, there are laws of mathematics, there are laws of everything. And we tend to follow the most laws, laws of society. Um, and there are also laws of our mind. And when you learn how to function inside of those laws, you truly step into the role of creator or co-creator, right? Knowing that there's always something bigger than us at work, universe, God, you know, whatever we each individually believe in. One of the laws of our mind is that it always does exactly what it thinks we want it to do, which is what makes thinking on purpose so essential because whatever thought you choose to think and continuously think, that is what you are directing your mind to reflect back to you. So we got to be really conscious with those thoughts. Yes. And, and you have to grow your consciousness, which is actually step one inside the choice method. So the choice method came about after I had been doing the work that I do, right? As a personal growth go-to for leaders and entrepreneurs. I was sitting, it was about two weeks before my first live immersion retreat, which is like my favorite thing in the world to do. God, I miss people. Oh my God, I miss people so much, but we'll talk about that later. And I was prepping and I was looking to figure out like, how do I deduce, how to embody your future self and how to create sustainable change in a way that's practical, because I will say, and I am, I am a, a, an obsessor of human potential and I blanketly believe in the capacity of, of, of each human being. Uh, I really, really do. I know that everyone has the potential to actualize what they desire if they allow themselves to. And when I was sitting there figuring it out, I wanted a way to give it a practical application because inside of this personal growth world, what I personally find the most frustrating is there's a ton of theory and there's a ton of information, but information without application is useless. If we could Google it, we'd all be where we want to be and the personal growth industry would be out of business. There is a missing piece and the missing piece is the how. And that is what I've worked my work around. How? How do I do that? So the choice method is four phases. The first one being noticing, growing your self-observation because you cannot change what you do not notice and you cannot change if you're bullshitting yourself and not being honest about what you need to see. And then phase two is about interrupting yourself and understanding what it means to build a flexible nervous system and create safety in your system because change happens at the speed of safety. Phase three is the key question. What would she do? Because I serve 
female leaders and entrepreneurs. And that's when you pause and ask yourself, what would she do? That's your next level self. That's your higher self, the woman who already lives and exists in the reality of what you say you want, because she's going to give you a completely different answer than your current self. And then phase four is go do it. <laughs> do the thing that she tells you to do. Do you feel like people want to go do it and skip those other steps? Yes. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. If making a new conscious choice was easy, everybody would be where they wanted to be. Yeah. But it's, it's not easy because your system is stimulated and your programming is deep. I mean, think about the example you set out when we first started talking, like delegating and hiring and, and, and doing all of these things. That's not your familiar way of being. Right. My familiar way of being is doing it all myself. Right. Exactly. Which interestingly connects to a way that you are negotiating your worth, right? Like if you do everything, if you're all things to all people, then you're needed, then you're enough, right? That these are all very common themes for us. Yeah. I even thought about that in why I'm doing the podcast. Like there were many reasons why I wanted to do it. Like I wanted to become a better interviewer. I wanted to sharpen my marketing skills by putting together a product from start to finish and marketing it and seeing how I could grow something. But I think too, I mean, yes, like it's nice to get outside validation. Like when someone I just interviewed messaged me and said, you know, this is one of the interviews that I'm the most proud of. I was like, wow, I love that. That feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, I let it in, let it in. That's part of becoming a better receiver too, and accessing the birthright of your abundance and accessing more wealth and prosperity, your ability to receive and let that in. And also know if that comment never came through, you would still be whole and fabulous. You don't need it. Right. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I like like, it. Yeah, Yeah, of course, because it's natural. It's beautiful. And you're also doing this from a place of service. You're really doing this for impact. So knowing that one of the reasons that you set out to do this is coming to fruition and that kind of validation of going, wow, thank you is a big deal. What else is interesting too, is that I never would have imagined in like the short time of me doing this, that I would be honestly connecting with TED speakers or best-selling authors, or that people would reach out to me and want me to help produce their show, which is like why now I'm hiring two assistants. (laughs) I thought maybe that could happen and that would be cool, but I didn't really realize like what that would look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of my entrepreneurial journey has been that you know, I've thought about the kind of customers that I would want. And then sometimes I get them or sometimes I get those projects and I'm like, oh, maybe no, (laughs) like maybe I want to do this more for myself and not necessarily for someone else. Like maybe doing it for someone else is putting too much of me into that. Well, I think it's also realizing and you're realizing it now you can do it for yourself. Right. And I'm, I'm constantly going back and forth between, yeah, doing it for others and really thinking that I can do it for myself full time. So I, I keep wavering and like, somebody's like, oh, can you do this for me? And then I give them my 90% and give me the 10% again. Yeah. And it's important that you help yourself get to that point of clarity and decision because I'm going to use the word universe because I associate that with the most, but anything really, whatever you believe in that's bigger God, but whatever is great. As long as you believe in something, I think that's the important piece, but allowing yourself to come into clarity of decision is important because that's when 
the universe can meet you where you are. That's when God can show up and go, oh, look at her. She's there. She goes, right. She made a decision. The higher power doesn't know how to respond when we're doing the whole, like I'm in. No, I'm not sure. I'm out. Nope. I'm not sure. No, I'm in. Nope. I'm going to do this. Oh, not sure. Going to be out. It's like, uh, you know what? Once you figure out what you're going to do, I'll come back and support you. I agree with that. And it's really funny because I felt like, I mean, you know, when you're having those universe moments, Mm -hmm. like the fact that this came together so quickly and that it was a referral and that it's local. And there's so many pieces that I'm like, this is totally from above. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you were in alignment, you were available for it. And that's, you know, the universe comes and goes, great. I'll give you this. You keep going. You keep in that decisiveness. You keep, you know, coming from high level service. You're in process. You're not attached to the outcome. It's like, boom, another potential, another synchronicity. Signs aren't signs. You create signs. Yeah. I do think that's true. Do you believe in stuff like that? Like it it happens when it's supposed to happen. Oh, a thousand percent. There are zero coincidences. Everything is constantly working out in your favor. And that's the essence of what highest good means, right? Everything happens for my highest good. It doesn't mean it happens when you want it to. And it doesn't mean that the things that happen are going to always feel good or that you're going to like it. It's a higher knowing that everything is happening for your highest good. And it's always taking you where you need to be going. So can we get a little bit personal? Because also on the last call, you shared with me that you felt like your dad was useless And just a few minutes ago, you said to me that you feel like everybody is able to actualize Mm -hmm. their potential. Do you feel like he was able to ever actualize his potential? Okay. So let me put that into context. Okay. When my, yeah, when my mom died, because my father's amazing, he's really wonderful. When my mom died and I was 24 and my younger sister was 15. Right. And my father had just lost the love of his life. He was useless that entire year. Okay. Because he was grieving and he was not in a position to parent. And my sister was 15 and she needed a parent. So I stopped kind of what my life was at the moment and I moved in with her so that he could focus on himself and I could help her. And you said that that was such martyrdom too. Yeah, no, I don't even feel like that was martyrdom really. For me, it was non-negotiable. This is what you do. As suckage as it was to lose my mother and hold her hand when she took her last breath, at least I was 24. Amazing that you feel that way. Yeah. I mean, because to me it's, it's family, you know? So now she's, she's a hybrid of my daughter, my best friend, my sister, her children, or like my grandkids. It's one of those moments. that's still a highest good, even though yes, I would do anything to have my mother back, but Arguing with reality is one of the ways we make ourselves crazy. We have to accept. You can't argue against what is, or you will live in the past and miserably, I might add. Wow. That's amazing that you got to hold her hand. Yeah. Oh, it was, wow. It was amazing. She had colon turned liver cancer. And, you know, when it was time for her to go that week, it was like, she's declining and it's going to happen at some point. And we would take shifts and I was just up sitting there holding her hand. And yeah, it was uh, one of the most surreal moments I've ever had for sure. And a blessing and a blessing to be there. Wow. And that's such a grown up thing to have to go through at 24. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you have some sort of, you know, real trauma like that, it immediately matures you. And it also sets a tone for holding everything relative 
because now, I mean, who I am as a person was so impacted by it. Not only my joy and gratitude for life and my ambition and motivation, but also nothing's a big deal. <laughs> nothing's a big deal. Wow. Even when it's real shit, it's like, sorry, if you're not going to die from it, nope, it's just not that big of a deal. Wow. I wish I could feel like that without having to experience death. Mm -hmm. Well, you can, because that's also part of enlightenment. It's part of raising your consciousness. It's part of recognizing the power of real mindset and nothing means anything unless you make it mean anything. All of these things are part of real impactful personal growth. Does Judaism play any part in that? For me, Judaism plays traditionally, but that's all. So no, to me in the personal growth space, it doesn't, but in who I am raised Jewish, my mother being born and raised in Israel and, and having a true cultural connection, I'm connected that way, but through everything else, no, not for me. Have you ever visited there? Yes. I was so young though. I went twice actually, but I, you know, I need to go back as an adult because it's, you know, I mean, listen, anything is as an adult. It's a completely different experience, but yeah, I'm excited to go back. What are your memories of kind of some of your Jewish upbringing? You know, Hanukkah prayers, wearing a, you know, my lace on my head, my piece of doily. Lace. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the doily, the doily making hamantaschen. Oh, I have a fun story. When I was, let's say I was nine and I was at, in Hebrew school in New Jersey and they decided to make a moving sukkah for Sukkot. So I'm in Hebrew school and they decided to make a moving sukkah where they put bamboo. It was like a, a flatbed truck. They lined the top of it with bamboo and they hung like apples and pears, you know, different sweet fruits from the top. And they decided to put all the kids standing up and drive us around the parking lot of the Hebrew school in the moving sukkah. And then after we were going to get out and have apples and honey and cookies and I'm on the, the thing and it goes over a speed bump and I'm <laughs> smiling and being like, cause I was always like loud and just obnoxious and I'm smiling and I'm looking up and a piece of bamboo falls from the top of the sukkah and smashes into my tooth and cracks my tooth in half. No. Yes. Like even now, if we were doing a video interview, you could sort of see there's like a little haze over my top left tooth. I don't know. Maybe some of that also made me like a little averse to, to all of it. But, you know, I think those <laughs> memories, I remember floating in the Dead Sea. I remember riding, riding a camel. I remember putting my prayers in the wall. Like, you know, those are significant memories. Yeah, I totally have done those things too. I love the Dead Sea. I just, it feels so good on your skin. And it I does. enjoyed like covering myself in mud. <laughs> right, exactly. I yeah. think if I would have been struck by a piece of bamboo and it chipped my tooth, I might take that as a message from God too. <laughs> this is not for me. What are you doing? Get out of here. Yeah. And you know, what's so funny is that I remember like when my parents had to come pick me up to rush me to the dentist after hours, like it was gone. Like it was, it was like a pointy half a tooth. My Hebrew teacher offered to give me the cookies that I would have had, like had this not happened. And I said, no, because I was in so much pain. And then I remember, which probably also connects to like some of my emotional eating. I remember like later that evening going, oh my God, I should have kept those cookies. Like, I really wish I would have had those cookies. I want those cookies now. I can't believe I gave up those cookies. It's like a random thing, but that's what you think when you're nine years old. That's so funny. I don't know why that reminds me of like, every time you're like talking about something that you shouldn't, and then the phone drops and you're like, shouldn't have been talking about that person. Like uh -huh. I would think that about the cookies, like, 
I'm not eating those. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed out on those cookies. Oh my gosh. Wow. It's it's interesting what we remember, like about certain places or times or experiences, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in some of our memories, we don't remember because our subconscious suppresses them because they might be too painful or too deep of a wound or they become super prominent. But the latest research, which is really fascinating in brain science, tells us that only 50% of what we remember is accurate. Like that's like, what? What? So now it's as good as your memory is. It doesn't mean it was happened the way that you actually perceive that it happened. Why it's also so important to like release the past and stop picking it back up, you know? That's really true. That's also why I record instead of note take. Wow. 50% we forget. 50%. We need to give each other grace there oh, too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, grace is we all need to give ourselves and each other grace more than we ever have. If this year hasn't shown us anything, it's that. Yeah. Talk to me about the kind of people that, you know, come to you and that you've helped. Like, does anybody stick out in your mind the most that like you've seen like really big change for? I feel like I remember and I love truly, you know, it's like asking me which of my kids is my favorite, you know, the women that come to me, they are leaders and entrepreneurs, whether they are restaurant group owners or online entrepreneurs, coaches and healers, journalists, CFOs, owners of nonprofit, but they're all women that know that they are here. Like, you know, that deep down feeling like I am here for something big. I am here for massive impact and I need to get out of my own way, right? Like my deep down knows it, but the rest of me is a little bit too doubtful and a little too fear-based and a little too lack and scarcity oriented for me to generate the dream that I have. And that's the work that we get to do it is the best personal growth work you'll ever do. And it's, you know, all the education that we've all received. No one taught you how to love yourself. No one taught you how to think. No one taught you that your worth was your birthright. What a shame. What a shame, right? Because that's really what it takes. And that's one of my bigger underpinning missions, right? Why do I want to make an outrageous amount of money with my empire, my business? Because of what the money can do. Because then I can bring it into schools that don't have a lot of money to fund things, right? Then we can really be leading movements of teaching people how powerful they are to trust yourself. Where did you get that power? I got it a little bit from nature, you know, the nature versus nurture argument, a little bit of like, mm, I was born to do something. There was no doubt about it. I remember my third grade project I had to do for Miss Halpern. Whoa, haven't said that. I- that just flew out. Okay. That was totally the name of my third grade teacher. And it was a, you know, Oak tag. You used to call it Oak tag poster board. Do you remember Oak tag? I'm just still freaking out. Cause I had a Mrs. Halpern. Oh, you did. <laughs> That's amazing. So, and we I had to do a project of like what you want to be when you grow up. And mine was, it said Tracy talks and it was a big set of lips. And it was like me with my friends and family, like hanging with people and teaching people and interviewing people. And, you know, it's so akin to, to what I do now. So some of it was, was nature. Some of it was my mother's journey before she passed. She was a spiritual advisor and a women's leadership speaker the last five years of her life. And so much of that just even though I was like a 20 year old punky, don't give a shit kid who like, you know what I mean? It was seeping in, you know, the way she spoke to me, what I observed about her, you know, our kids pick up who we're being, not what we say. 
right? Like what's the modeling? So I took a lot of that in and then me losing her, you know, and kind of carrying on what she started. That's a good way to say it. And then my own growth, finding myself an unemployed single mother was a real eye-opener. Whose life is this? Because this is definitely not my capacity. And this is definitely not my little girl dream, right? And having to dig in, like you can't, you have to heal your shit. You have to, like you're not responsible. There's a famous quote, it's in my book and it's by Ken Keyes Jr. You're not responsible for what happened to you in childhood. But as the adult that you are, you are 100% responsible for healing it. Does that start at bat mitzvah? <laughs> I would say after bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvah, you're still just doing candlelighting ceremonies and taking checks. <laughs> I don't care enough. You don't care enough. No. Oh my God. How long did it take you to heal your shit? <sighs> I'm still healing my shit and, and things will happen. You know, I'm in a blended family. I'm married 10 years this Friday. I have two, three daughters combined, but my two bookends are my stepdaughters. The middle one is biologically mine and triggers still come up that go, Oh, Hey Trace, you thought you were done with that one. No, you're not keep going in any part of our evolution, because we're always evolving. Like we're never done. You know, I had a call with someone today to potentially do some work together. And she said, I want to be the best version of myself. And I said, I want to actually take that off the table because you're always evolving and it's always the next level. So to think that there's this like best spot that's destination oriented is just not real. It's not true. And it becomes a, a disservice. It's about being in love with the process of who you're becoming and knowing that when you get to said next level, then you're going to look at me and go, okay, I'm ready to keep going. And you go again and you go again and you'll go again. I was going to say like that best level is a life's work. Correct. That's like, you know, on your deathbed, God willing, you could say you were the best version of yourself. Yeah, I hope so. It's crazy because like my grandmother is 92 and I feel like she's definitely thinking about those things now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, the fact that you have your grandmother at 92 is amazing. I lost my, my mother's father who was in the Holocaust in Auschwitz, his, his parents and his brother all killed. He escaped. He died at 51 of a heart condition that he got in the Holocaust. And then my grandmother and my other grandfather, grandmother all passed in their early seventies. So I haven't had grandparents and my, you know, they never met my kids, you know? So, I mean, I really, I'm super envious and happy for you because having a grandma that's lived into her nineties is amazing. And that's exactly what happens. And it's so interesting because I use that in my work a lot. The first line of my TEDx and the last line of my book is, you know, someone once told me the definition of hell on my last day on earth, the person I became will meet the person I could have become, or you're looking back and you're going, I nailed it. Like I failed. I succeeded. I triumphed. I played full out. Like you have, you get to decide how you want to feel at the end and then kind of reverse engineer your life from there. You know, it's so interesting. My grandmother feels like she did it all. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Most people don't get that. No, no. It's such a gift. That's amazing. Good for her. Do you feel the Jewish pride? I do. I do. I don't feel it because I believe in religion because I don't at all but I feel it because of the wisdom that has been bequeathed upon me from the women in my bloodline. And that directly connects to that, that wise woman of the village, right? My great grandmother into my grandmother into my mother into me. That's how it connects for me, that cultural, like we're kind of witchy, 
you know, like that's <laughs> definitely part of it. I've totally convinced my kids that I'm a witch and they totally believe me. Yeah, just a depth of wisdom and knowing that comes from the bloodline that is of that faith. I love that you get that. I'm, I'm wondering when that's going to fully like materialize for me. My dad gets it. He says stuff like that. Like he's all about the legacy. He's going to definitely connect to what you just said. But I'm like, when does that click in? What blocks you from letting it click in? <sighs> that's a good question. That's a really good question. Okay. So truthfully, I think there's a blocker with my mom. Mm, say more. Like we haven't had like a deep conversation in probably a decade. Like that's why it's better call daddy because I call my dad every single day and it's better call grandma because she's been like a second mom to me. Like I'm very much my dad and I'm very much that side of the family. Like my mom is like an avoider. She's soft-spoken. She's non-confrontational and like I'm too much for her. Mm. What's your grandma like? My grandmother's like me, like my dad. Is there any part of you that feels fear around recognizing how powerful you are? Wow. I've never thought about that. Um, I don't know. I want you to think about it and journal on it if you're open to it. It's like, you know, there's some cheesy line, like with great power comes great responsibility. You know, it's like one of those types of things. But to really check in with yourself, like, so if I am wise and I am powerful and I have such strength in my lineage and what's been bequeathed upon me, then what? What does that actually mean for you? And how does that maybe feel scary or put you in a position where you might require more of yourself? Having four kids is scary. And like I said, I have three, I only birthed one. So God bless you. That responsibility. I was like, (laughs) what? I have four kids and I've been married for 13 years. What else is crazy is like, I have so many friends around me, like going through divorces. Oh my God. I cannot tell you how many, you know, I've lived in LA. I've lived in San Francisco. I've lived in big cities. So divorce in our age range is so common. You know, I mean, I, I'm a product of it myself. What is the breaking point? And did you ever regret it? Never regretted it because ultimately in my first relationship with my daughter's father, that led me to the single mother of an eight month old in truth, because I hadn't done any personal growth. I hadn't identified any of my wounds. I was so not honoring my worth. I was so tolerating below my capacity. Like, should I would never do you, like not even a chance you'd be you'd be out the door before you stop the sentence right because you start to recognize who you are and you stand strong in what you're available for and what you're not available for i think it was a combo of i was so in my not enoughness and my mother had died a few years before and i was so in desperation and loneliness of that kind of relationship that to me, it was like, yeah, I'm going to be in this relationship. I'm going to have a kid because I can feed that in the other direction, right? So if I don't have my mother, I could have a child and then I could be the mother, right? And that could really nourish a part of me that was super deficient because of her loss. Wow. You really thought about it like that? Not then. No, if I had thought about it like that, then I wouldn't have made the choices I made, you know, but then I was just trying to fit a round hole into a square peg and make something work that had fucking red flags all over it all day. But I love it because I have my daughter and she is a rock star of a young woman and it all happens for your highest good. It's part of the path. It's part of the journey. 
part of what makes me relatable and able to be so empathetic and hold space for women that have had all different experiences is I've walked through a lot of shit, right? I get it. I get loss. I get grief. I get trauma. I get worth issues. I get, you know, dating sociopaths. I get all kinds of fun things that I've done in my day. Do you think you dated a sociopath? Oh, I know I did. After the relationship I had after Taylor's father, Taylor's her name, by the way. Aw. After that relationship ended with her dad and I had built myself back up and I started making like phenomenal choices. I went from unemployed to a vice president of human resources. Like I climbed the corporate ladder like that in one of my earlier jobs in that climbing, I ended up in a relationship with the vice president of the company I was working for. And he was a total sociopath. So what was interesting is that all the other facets of my life, I had like totally shifted. And this is actually pretty common as you like grow and expand, but the romantic piece, I still wasn't honoring my worth. That was the last thing to really heal. I had to change. I had to figure that out. And that was the last piece. And then I worked through the worth work and really looking at like, why did you tolerate that? Like, why did, what, what's going on? You know, and that's, that's the deep work. And now I have the best husband in the world. You up-leveled. I up-leveled and, and, and my energy changed and what I was available for changed and, and, and how I showed up changed and I didn't need any of it anymore. I was like, whatever. Like, I, you know, I'm so sound in who I am. I'm so whole. Wow. Yeah. You need somebody who can really <laughs> love and honor you in the moments where you're not loving and honoring you. It takes a special person to be brave enough to say it. Absolutely. Someone that's confident in themselves and that loves you deeply enough to give you the kind of tough love that we all need. Who do you call when you need a pickup? I call her. Yep. I would say I would call her. Yeah. She's like my go-to and my best friends. I have some girlfriends I've been best friends with since eighth grade. My other girlfriend actually made one best friend in my adult life, which never happens. And we have that kind of like, I've known you my whole life. Do you think everybody needs a friend like that? Oh, hell yes. They just love every part of you. Yeah. It's, a, it's like an exhaled feeling where you're so supported and you have such a good time. You know, you could cry, you could laugh within the same 20 minutes and then you attract the people that, that resonate with you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I have a few friends like that too. They, <laughs> they've known me all the way since Cherry Springer. Yes, exactly. Are there times that you think about that you would love to just revisit for a day or like re-experience? You know, it's so interesting about that is because I, you know, like knock on wood, kinahara poo, 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 as my grandmother would say. My friendships are for so long that when we hang out, like we have a girls weekend planned in two weekends from now or three weekends from now, I'm 16 again. I'm 15 again. I'm 18 again. Like the fact that the only way we know the time's going by is because our children are going to college and we're like, I don't know, I'm still exactly who I was. So it's not like we don't have to go back to it because we are it. And then when we spend time together, it's like, oh yeah, okay. Do you feel like your daughters have the relationship that you had with your mother? Like they look up to you and, and they're wanting to kind of like gain your wisdom? Yes, 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 definitely. And in the same breath, sometimes they'll look at me and they'll go, well, mom, don't lift factor me right now. Like, I don't want to be lift factored because I'm... I am who I am all the time, right? In my business, outside of my business. And so they really love it. They love observing it. They have said to me, you know, like, thanks for showing me what's possible. Like when I watch you work and build something, like you're showing me, I can do my own thing, right? It's important to not have our kids think there's only 12 things to do in the world. 
lawyer, teacher, doctor, construction, architect, you know what I mean? Like it's a whole world out there in different industries and different spaces and places. And we have to open our children up to be bigger thinkers. I want to know what the lit factor is now. So my personal growth company is called the lit factor, right? I'm Tracy lit. And that's kind of the umbrella where all the programs and coaching and events take place. And when you're being lit factored, you're being given wisdom and you are being pushed to own your shit. What do you need to own? Where do you need to show up differently? And where do you need to find gratitude? You're the cause of the effect. I love it. That's good. Damn, you got lucky with that name. It's funny too, like Watts. I I felt like I had so many good options for kids' names. So I had to do laser. (laughs) I have a son named Laser Watts. Is there anything that you want to honor your father with? Because you said that you guys have a good relationship and this is better call daddy. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Talk about a loyal man, like loyal. You know, I could call him at three in the morning and not have to say a word other than I need this or I need you. And he would be there like no questions asked the depth of love and care. I mean, you know, I just, he's the best and he ages backwards and he'd be very much wanting me to say that because he's 75 this year and you would see him and you'd be like, no, Tracy, like maybe he's 60, maybe. And he loves it. He thrives on that. Yeah. Well, your daddy sounds like an awesome guy. And my dad is so much like that too. I have literally called him probably multiple times in the middle of the night and just need him to listen. And that's a tremendous blessing to have somebody like that in your life. It is. We're very lucky. Is there anything you want to ask my daddy? I want to know how he would define success. Okay, cool. Well, I will get back to you on that. Now I just thought of a second one. What was the hardest and most satisfying thing about raising daughters. That's a good one too. I would like to know that. This is another thing that I struggle with and I'm gonna end with this, but like, I care so much about my relationship with my dad and it hasn't always been that way. Like we definitely butted heads when I was like rebellious teen and like lying to my mom and all of that. But- Oh girl, um, we were the same person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we've gotten so close, like in adulthood. I feel like I had my fourth kid for him. I feel like I'd consider hiring my sisters because he gave me that advice. I'm like, okay, you want me to do an episode with your dead father on a tape? I'll figure out how to make that happen. Like anything Mm -hmm. that I can do to like make his day. I really, I wish I could do that for my kids. I wish I could do that for my husband. You can, but the way to do that is through doing that for yourself. Through prioritizing yourself, through honoring yourself, through creating space, through really, when you get to show up as the best version of you, everybody wins. Your romance and your marriage wins. Your tolerance and patience with your kids wins. The depth and the intimacy of your relationship with your father wins. We are under this misnomer that it's about what to do for them and be there for them and put everybody first and da da da. It's like, no, that is just the wrong way to do it. That's how our great, great grandmothers did it. That's how our great grandmothers did it. It's to fuel yourself, to have great boundaries, right? To show up and go, you know what? When I'm the best version of me, when I'm the happiest and I prioritize myself, that's when I'm an incredible wife and an incredible mother and an incredible daughter and a thriving business owner. Well, this fuels me and I want to come to one of your events. So yes, there are 10 spots left for Worthy Human Live, May 21st to the 23rd in Palm Beach, Florida. I will say. Oh my God, that would be a dream. It's kind of amazing. It's fabulous, fabulous, fancy, fabulous hotel on the beach. Dang. Yeah, I'm for sure uh, intrigued. Yes, I will send it to you. And thank you for this. I just enjoy you. We get along and this was super fun. So thank you for having me.
Oh, this is amazing. I'm so glad I discovered you on Evan Carmichael. You know, so fun. So I say yes to things. You never know where it's going to lead. So, Daddy, what did you think? Okay. Uh, what a very interesting interview. It's almost like an interview that you had with your father. I think the key word here is legacy. And isn't that really how we measure the value of our existence? Is what we do to try to create a further future when we're not here and to see if we can continue the future of our mentors, which are hopefully your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents, and be able to fulfill some of their wishes and dreams of a continuum. Because unfortunately, we only have a very short cycle of life. And we have to be able to fit the puzzle of life by seeing all the possibilities that God has given us and to be able to see if we can go through the maze of life and continue to make better and better, better choices as we grow. And that's why I told you that one of the most valuable things to me and how I measure my life is not necessarily where we want to say, I made a million dollars or I made a billion dollars. It's having the wisdom of making these choices and being able to pass on some of this wisdom to future generations as well, not just money. Our legacy and being able to uh, share our time and mentoring people and doing mitzvahs with our life is a large part of our purpose. And other people are only motivated by dollars and cents. Otherwise, they don't want to do anything unless they get something out of it. And I think that's a very shallow way to live. I would have to agree. What did you think of her personal story? I think she's had a lot of adversities she's had to overcome. But when she really reached deep down where she wants you to follow, as you've heard from other guests, you want to have a mentor or somebody you can look up to that's been successful and does it wholeheartedly and enthusiastically and is willing to show that to other people. And that's what she's doing because her mom, that she was very closely connected to, and unfortunately saw her demise at a very early age, 24 years old, but still she did a lot of work in this same category of helping people and coaching people. And isn't it funny how she has also three daughters and is trying to set the same example for her daughters and really where she's had to really mature herself and be able to make sure that she could be the best person that she could be in order to get along with other people. And even though her first marriage failed and maybe uh, another relationship failed, she learned that she has to better herself and her feelings about herself. And what you want in a partner is someone who's also there to support the best of you. And I think that that's very important also, if you want to have a workable relationship, is that you have to have respect for each other and you have to be able to grow and develop with each other where you have those strong binding things that we do together. It's like my grandfather would say, it's your better half. You want to make sure that not only can you be the best that you can be, but you want your mate to also be the best that he or she can be where you do it together. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Rin10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Rin10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Yeah.